We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 98. The season is officially over. It is curtains for the Yankees in 2016. A year ago at this time, Scott, we were gearing up for a one-game playoff against Houston. We were kind of hesitant going into the game, but it was one of those things, do or die, you never know what can happen. This year, not so much. We are just looking back on the season now. So how are you feeling now that the season is over? You, I know last week we were saying we're, we're actually kind of looking forward to the offseason. 
Yeah, I think at this point we kind of saw the writing on the wall about a week, week and a half. You saw it like, I mean, weeks <laughs> in August. And I, I finally saw it after that Red Sox series. So it's been it's been a, uh, a slow death, I guess, and uh, we've expected it. So it wasn't like it was abruptly ending. Well, you know we, what knew the messed th- up? we knew this was coming. The messed up thing was I saw the writing on the wall through July 31st and I wrote the team off. And then they sucked me back in. And then I got Don't get started again. on this again. Don't get when, started on this again. When they when they shot me down again, when they <clears> ripped my heart out for a second time in the season, I I kind of kind of wrote them off for good then. But uh yeah, remember a year ago we were, we were uh pretty excited at this point and and now we just have other teams to be looking at. And how many games did the Yankees win last year? 87. 87. Pretty close. I mean, it wasn't it, it, the seasons as far as the uh, the win loss. If you're looking at the at the numbers, really weren't that far off. It was it was uh, really just I think a, a, to- a tale of two different seasons though, because last year they ended so terribly, and then this year they actually ended a lot better than they were. I mean, they had a, a pretty good record after the All Star break. So it was uh, it was a very different two, uh, couple of years in how they ended the season. So the it, the AL East definitely was playing better this year. That's for sure. Yeah, both wildcard teams, Baltimore and Toronto, won 89 games. So the Yankees finished five games out, a couple games ahead of where the wildcard teams were last year. But you're not going to win the – you've got to get into that 87 to 90 win range to win the wildcard. I think that's been established at this point. Yeah. So they're just slightly in that tier below, which is pretty crazy when you think about how bad this team was for 75% of the year. Yeah, no, it's remarkable. I mean, that's – what it shows is that we have positive things looking forward. We have a very good nucleus now of, of young talent, not to mention all of the, the kids that are going to be coming up and, and, you know, who knows what they can do. So positive things moving forward. So yeah, I'm, I'm good with it. I'm, I'm at peace with the season and I'm, I'm actually already looking forward to 2017 if that's even possible. It's crazy that a missed playoff appearance this year is way more positive than a playoff appearance last year. I mean, I don't even count last year as a playoff appearance. So that's the thing about the wild card game. It's, it's. Uh, I, I was, I saw something. I think Tanyan Sturts you know, tweeted it or put it on Facebook whoa, or something. Whoa, uh, yeah, random, random, random Yankee alert. You and, you follow him. First of all, you follow him on social media. Yeah, I actually think he followed me, and then I followed him back. But he is. Uh, he was talking about the playoffs and how everybody was getting like so pumped up to get to this to this wild card playing game, and he was very confused about the the excitement level about from these players because he doesn't consider it the playoffs, and I kind of don't consider it the playoffs either. I, it really should just be a playing game. That we should be called a playing game to the playoffs. Well, they get to slap playoffs on it, and yeah, that's the thing. It's a it's it's kind of a nonsense marketing. marketing. Yeah, I know. But it really isn't. It's. I understand why the players are are treating it like. I, I mean, if I was a player, I'd treat it like the playoffs, especially for teams that don't make it. That don't make it often. I mean, the Blue Jays and the Orioles playing in the one game wild card playoff. Those teams don't make the playoffs every year. Yeah, it's definitely more exciting than not playing. I mean, you should get excited about that. You're you're playing another game, unless you really want to go play golf and go to Florida and hang out. Depends on what your priorities are. Well. As you were saying, this year the Yankees are not that much worse off than where they were last year, uh, which is insane. 84 and 76, five games out of the wild card, nine games out of the division. Uh, are you familiar with Pythagorean win loss, though? This, uh, I'm going to warn you that it's kind of a nerdy. We're about to get nerdy baseball for a few minutes. 
You say we, but you told me about this beforehand, so I do know about it now because you told about told me about this. I was like Pythagorean. I'm I'm like I'm pretty sure I learned that at some point in school. It sounds really familiar. Yeah, allow me to uh, to push my glasses up my face and educate me. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Pythagorean win loss basically just measures what your record should have been based on the number of runs you scored, number of runs that you allowed. It's it's in a way like every sabermetric baseball stat. You can call it bullshit or not, but. All I know is that the Yankees should have been much worse than they were this year because they had a minus 22 run differential, yet they won 84 games. According to this stat, they should have won 79 games. So they were five games better than the sabermetrics said they should have been. And I think that I went back and I kind of found a trend with, with the Yankees under Joe Girardi. It's that when they have teams that should be in the 78, 79, maybe 80, 81 and 81 win range he's able to squeeze blood out of the stone and get it to 85 wins which is great because in 2014 and 2013 they had seven more wins than their pythagorean record should have shown yet when you look at the teams that actually were very good and should have won 90 plus games like 2015 2010 2011 2012 they they were worse than their pythagorean record showed so my conclusion is that Joe Girardi somehow is able to to take a team that's not very good and make them okay, but when you want to make that next jump, he might not be the guy. Oh boy, who else's head is spinning right now? The uh, it's no, it's interesting what you're saying because I I'm I'm looking at it right now. For those of you that are listening, <laughs> if you followed that, more power to you. But I'm looking at it, so I have a a, a leg up. Um, I understand what you're saying in the sense that he seems to he seems to get the best out of. Mediocre Maybe, players, yeah, mediocre players, and then the the guys who are who are very good. He doesn't put them in optimal situations. Maybe to to get to their their full potential. Uh, is that fair to say? Is that I fair to say I, what you're it's saying? It's hard to put my finger on exactly what it is, but when you compare 2015 to 2016, 2015 they were on pace to win. It was like 94 games at a certain point in the season, and they totally fell flat on their face at the end of the season. And I'm not putting that squarely on Joe Girardi because that would be completely unfair the players at at the end of the day have to perform on the field and they didn't they had a lot of old players that faded at the end of the season but I think a big part of it was Girardi's managerial decisions maybe leading up to that if he didn't play the players a certain in certain situations they wouldn't be burned out we've seen this with Dellen Batances this year yeah so yeah. I well, think there's we saw it last year too. We saw it last year with him warming up in a five-run game, right? You know, only to uh, to come in in a five-run game sometimes. So I think there's certain decisions that happen between April and August 31st that affect you September 1st to September 30th. That can make all the difference between five, four, three, or two wins that you need to make the playoffs. But this Pythagorean record is doesn't really quantify that because it's taking the season as a whole it's not splitting it up and saying oh he's a good you know early season manager no, and then just... towards the end so i don't understand i don't i guess i don't get how that plays into the the full spectrum because to me to me what it, what, it, what it says to me is that he he almost he doesn't put players in positions players who should be in positions to either play every day or pitch when they're supposed to or you know he gives too many days off or you know sticks to his veterans too many times doesn't play a guy who's hot enough things like that to me would affect this this particular stat uh, this uh this pythagorean thing and and that that's where I that's where I see his issues and I get that that would make some sense because I think he does do that I think when a guy is hot and he should be playing sometimes he will sit him 
And right. it's, it's you know, we're all looking around like, um, what are you doing? This guy's the hottest guy on the team, and you're putting him down for a day off when he's 25 years old and doesn't need it. Exactly. So it's things like that that I think that, that drive us mad. But, you know, if, you, if you're going to play the other side of it and look at the, the, the seasons like this year when he got way more out of a year than, than he should have, and if you look at it, what happened was is he got the majority of the, the push, the, the better part of the season, was with the young guys. So he and, – and he's proven that he can motivate young guys. He proved that in Florida when he won manager of the year. So this is a guy that, you know, if you're looking at those types of things – Get excited. I mean, you should be excited because this is the season next year where Girardi's going to have, you know, chock full of young guys, and that's his strong suit. So maybe this is a good thing. Well, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is the fact that I don't mind if Joe Girardi is the manager for the next couple of years, but when it's time to go win a World Series, I'm not sure I want him. Yeah, I don't even know what's going on with this thing. I don't know what to conclude from it. I don't, I, I had, it's making me dizzy. <laughs> I, I I don't think I confuse people as much as you think. I just you know I'm I can see all the numbers and there's a lot of numbers going on here with negative numbers and such and that <laughs> you lose me on that. <laughs> but when I I still go back to my eyeballs and tell you and tell me what's going on with the team and how do you know? Do you want to know the real story of what happened? I had a gigantic iced coffee around nine thirty this morning and just got deep into a spreadsheet. Well, there you go. <laughs> so that's how you get Pythagorean win loss on the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Little little Dunkin' Donuts? <laughs> no, no way. Of course not. Um. Uh, so, anything else you, you want to take away from from this lovely math lesson I just gave you? Nope, not not. I don't want to take anything else. That was that was good. That was enough, though. That was good, though. Awesome. Let's move on to the David Ortiz Yankees farewell ceremony. Ceremony. Oh, yeah. Um. Essentially, it was a four minute thing that looked like they just wanted to get it over with, and I was elated that that's all it was they gave him a really tacky oil painting and then a book that supposedly had some memories in it uh <laughs> it was so ridiculous watching watching ellsbury go up and hand him some leather bound thing like nobody knows what, what, he's like what it was is like this? Oh, here you go thanks like nothing I mean, is it is, was somebody uh, scrapbooking and then like cut out the the New York Times articles of David Ortiz or the Daily the Post? What what was that? So I understand why Jacoby Ellsbury gave it to him. Obviously, he played with him in Boston. But why right. the hell was David Cohn also out there? Yeah, I I didn't get David Cohn, and then Rivera. I, there was there. Well, were, I get Rivera because I get Rivera, but I was just Rivera came back for that. I, I don't really know. He lives in Jersey. I guess he came back for it's it's just a, it was a strange thing, but it was well done for them. I guess it was way more than I was expecting. Well, it was it was bare bones, which I loved, which I think just proves that they probably should have done nothing. Um, but hey, you checked the box. You did. A I don't think it was bare bones. We had our, bones. we had one of our one of our greats come back to give you something. <laughs> I mean, that's that's I'm totally that's okay a big with deal. it. I'm totally OK with it. But, do you know, who was not OK with it? And that was Nesson. I was watching the Nesson broadcast, and immediately after it was done, the announcers for Nesson started to call it classless. They said, where's Derek Jeter? Why wasn't he there? They compared it to the ceremony that the Red Sox gave Jeter, which, if you remember, was like 45 minutes long and incredibly awkward. Why they were bringing Bernie Williams to sing to Derek Jeter at Fenway Park. It was just so over the top and unnecessary, and... They said that the Yankee ceremony, they should have showed a video tribute and that it was classless. Dennis Eckersley literally said the words, it had no class. 
it's so ridiculous. I mean, the fact that they gave him something in the first place what should be they they should be elated about because you know honestly it was it was something that shouldn't didn't need to happen and and it did happen and that's fine and he got his little thing and it was weird like him standing out there and the whole thing and the painting was very strange because I feel like he was in Yankee Stadium right but he was yeah. wearing like a I'm pretty sure the jersey was a home jersey too it was just a strange thing there was a, a lot of weird things going on with that well it's and, like uh, uh, Steinbrenner was like it was four o'clock on that day and he was like crap we got to do something other than this really dumb scrapbook and he just yeah someone paint something really he quick went out to the Bronx and got one of those street artists to slap something together or someone photoshopped someone photoshopped it in like a paintbrush and then they yeah. printed it out and put it in a picture frame so it looked like art yeah I mean it's it's it was weird but uh, you know I thought it was nice I thought it was classy I didn't think it was classless by any means I thought it was, like I said, pretty bare bones, which is what it should have been. If it was going to be anything, I'm glad they kind of half-assed it. I mean, the heavens did not open up and and pour on him. I mean, A-Rod's ceremony was shorter than that. <laughs> not by choice, though. And he got a cake. <laughs> yes, he, so did Teixeira. <laughs> um, I just think that we really need to put an end to, to farewell ceremonies. Yeah, I'm, I agree with you. I'm so tired of them. And the good thing is that there's not really many more players that have been around forever that will be retiring. I mean, I, I don't expect guys like Carlos Beltran or Adrian Beltre or anyone like that to get a ceremony, do you? No, I think the only reason Ortiz got one in Yankee Stadium was because of the rivalry. That's 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 it. I mean, Pedro never got one. Why didn't Pedro get one if, if Ortiz got one? Honestly, like ceremonies were not a thing back then. I guess so. I guess Jeter kind of started it. <laughs> That that whole thing. No, Mariano. Mariano was the. Oh yeah, you're year. right. Mariano started it. Yeah. Um, and, so we we started it. <laughs> yeah, and at the time, but I they was, should they should relish on us. They should, I mean we're we're great champions. <laughs> that's that's why they should. At we the are, time, we're amazing champions. While Mariano and Jeter were traveling to all these ballparks, getting these dumb gifts, I was I felt awkward. I felt like it was it was out of place. I didn't like it when it was happening for the Yankees. Didn't someone get like an Adirondack chair made of like baseball bats in like uh, was yeah, that Minnesota? Mariano, Mariano got a of broken bats from all the bats he broke. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that was oh it was broken bats. Okay, now it still, sounds better. Still, my favorite gift that any of them got was Mariano got a sand sculpture of himself from Tampa, which <laughs> I mean, it was like but, a ten foot sand sculpture. Like, he can't what do I do take with this? that with him? And it was but, awful. It was so bad. You want to talk about classless? What about the fact that that uh, they they had a, a painting of when Mariano Rivera got got shelled and right. uh, and blew a save? Yep. In Fenway, yep. I mean that's classless. That's literally of a moment that broke our hearts. And I honestly and, think they realized that, and that's why they went super over the top for Jeter the next year. Yeah. All right. So Eckersley needs to take a look into the past. Why, the why worst. is Eckersley even there? Eckersley's the worst. He, he first of all, he saws that mustache from 1987, and the, he has to ugly mullet. He has um, to. He uh he pitched for the Red Sox for for a few years. Yeah, early in his career, right? I think so. When yeah. he was a starter, See, nobody cares. It doesn't matter. Right, he's just the worst. He's the biggest homer though, and it's it's unbearable. Um, so I think we kind of touched on this maybe in a, in our couple episodes ago when we ripped David Ortiz to shreds, but. I, I was tweeting on Friday about my top five most hated Red Sox of all time, and a lot of people were tweeting me, and David Ortiz was pretty much on every list, but where is he in your top five of Red Sox hated of all time? So I answered I answered that 
I replied to your tweet as soon as I saw it. Like I, I just gave like a very immediate reaction, right. and gut, I think gut I, reaction. Yeah, yeah. So I think I would have probably tweaked it a little bit if I had some time to think about it because I forgot about some guys. To tell you the truth, <laughs> well, I guess well, that's it's the like hard suppressed. part. Yeah, everyone was like, "Oh, why don't you make it a top ten list?" Well, then it's not fun. You got to really think right. hard and long to get five because there's a lot of guys to hate. Yeah, that's like people ask me about my top five movie list, and I'm and I tell them that's an impossible thing to do because you got to categorize it. So for this, I, I I probably need more than five, but if I'm gonna go to five, Ortiz is definitely in there. I don't know the number. I do know who's number one, and it's Mike Timlin. I hate Mike Timlin. I've always hated Mike Timlin. I'll always hate Mike Timlin. I think he's the biggest piece of shit in the entire world. So he is my number one and always will be my number one. Um, yeah, but he's a relief pitcher. I mean, he wasn't yeah, even a closer. He yeah, was a, I didn't he matter. was a seventh, eighth inning guy. It's, I, it's, hate, I hated him. I hated him so, so much. So much. I mean, I have a guy like that on my list, so I understand. But yeah. Anyway, I, he was number one. Ortiz is definitely up there. Ortiz is definitely up there, and... Uh, and you know, there's there's a Kurt Schilling's got to be up there, and I forgot about him on the first time. You know, what? I, was going I forgot about him too. Yeah, I think because he's had such a a wild post baseball career. I mean, he's a lunatic. He, he bankrupted a company. He is his, his own company. Off, yeah, his own company. He's spewing off on Twitter and Facebook about racist crap. I mean, it's almost like I forget he was a baseball player at this point. But then I remember that game six, two thousand four, and I want to puke. Well, he's also gotten us twice. It wasn't just one time, and it was with different teams. So right. this, this is a guy who's not known as a Red Sox, per se, but he's been on so many teams, but he got us twice. Right. And the more I think about it, the more I really hate him. And, I, yeah, his mouth doesn't stop going. So that's another reason. I don't like him off the field either. Kind of like so how— There's just a lot of it. Kind of like how Josh Beckett got us twice. Josh Beckett did get us twice, yeah. Randy Which Johnson is- got us three times. Because <laughs> he was on the Yankees, right? Yeah. The The—, the <laughs> The fact is, is that you know, I, I probably do need ten. But if I were to, um, it, d- definitely in my top five, one hundred percent are Timlin, uh, Schilling, and Ortiz. The other ones are up for debate. So a lot of people said Manny is in the top five, and I honestly disagree. I think he, Manny he was, never really bothered me. Manny murdered the Yankees. Probably I know, even but, more even more but, than Ortiz. But did. I never hated him. I agree. He was just like an idiot. Exactly. He was yeah. a big, lovable puppy dog. I mean, he was a puppy dog who took a lot of steroids and hit 500-foot home runs against the Yankees. But at the same time, he was, like you said, an idiot and kind of hard to hate that guy. One guy, though, that a lot of people were piling on, and I totally agree, he was number one on my list, Jason Veritek. The fact that he wore that douchey C on his jersey <laughs> was just the worst. And, and he had a speech impediment, and his face looked stupid, and he does not get enough shit for leaving his face mask on during that A-Rod brawl. You're going to pick a fight with somebody and then leave your catcher's mask on? That is a big pussy move, Jason Veritek, and he does not get enough shit for that. The other person that I, that, that I, uh, I didn't see on many people's lists when I was going through it was Johnny Damon. He was on my initial list because I actually I hated Johnny Damon. I mean, he's one of those dumb idiots, too, that... that but he was one that I really despised because his he would put his foot in his mouth constantly. Manny never talked. He just didn't. He was just he, he just, just was like a lazy dude who was really good at baseball. He just threw old traveling secretaries down. And yeah, no, yeah, that was Manny, Pedro. No, yes, I know Pedro threw Zimmer down. But Manny, the reason they traded him out of Boston, oh, because, was because they threw someone in. in <clears> he <throat> threw a, an employee who was the traveling secretary to the ground because he couldn't. That was him. very confusing to me because all I thought of was Costanza immediately. And then I was like, <laughs> Yankees. I'm like, is he confusing that with Don Zimmer? So uh, 
it, I forget where the Red Sox were, but Manny asked the traveling secretary literally last minute, like two hours before the game, to get him 50 box seats, and he couldn't do it. And then he went up to him after the game and threw him to the ground. I just think the traveling secretary, the fact that that's an actual position is hilarious. <laughs> yes, that is a Costanza move. <laughs> um, Cotton uniforms. But yeah, the... Uh, uh, for, for for whatever Johnny Damon was a guy that I just could not stand. He, he bothered me so much, and uh, I never really got on board with him as a Yankee. I never really liked him as a even Yankee. after '09. I feel yeah. Like- no, nah, I just I never got on board. I mean, like yeah, I rooted for the laundry, but I wasn't. Uh, I was never a Johnny Damon guy. Well, Johnny Damon's on the list of uh, old timers guys. He's always coming back. I know it's annoying to me. He's yeah. always he's actually around more with the Yankees than he is the Red Sox. I think. Yeah. I, well, I think the Yankees do more. Of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I definitely hated Damon, but he definitely won me over when he was with the Yankees. Um, no one, no one will ever top Jason Veritek for me, though. No, no matter how many times Ortiz has killed the Yankees, I still hated Jason Veritek more. Yeah, that's my um, for me. Speaking of more ridiculous things, over the weekend, so Ortiz played his last regular season home game. And Rob Manfred was asked about the 2003 uh, PED list that Ortiz and A-Rod and Manny and a number of the other guys appeared on. It was a whole big controversy. There's a long quote from Rob Manfred. I'm not going to read it. One, because it's long, and two, because I cannot read out loud on this podcast. <laughs> I swear I can read. Like I, I, I do know how to read, but for whatever reason, I can't do it on the podcast. It's the it's the pressure. I, it I don't is. think. Yeah, it's it's like you you it, fall on the pressure. It's like when you used to have to read out loud in school. It's always difficult. Anyway, today, Junior, he the quote basically gives Ortiz a loophole for the steroid list. He doesn't blatantly say Manfred doesn't blatantly say Ortiz was one of the the multiple false positives on the list, but he says we had more than 10 false positives on the list. And he was asked specifically about David Ortiz. So that strongly implies that he was one of the false positives. And then he went on to go talk about how everyone misconstrued that list and it was misunderstood. And that the whole reason they did it was just to sort of survey the league to find out if they needed to implement a drug program. Obviously they did because like 90% of the guys failed on the list. And whether David Ortiz was a false positive and whether A-Rod was a false positive... The fact of the matter is, I'm pretty damn sure David Ortiz has done steroids throughout his career. I'm not a guy who really cares that much that much anymore about steroids because I think I think is one of those things that was so rampant that you can't really pick and choose who you who you blame and what you can you can't take away wins or anything like that. But the fact of the matter is that he continues. David Ortiz continues to get a free pass for it is horseshit and I don't understand why. Yeah, I don't think it's going to stop either, and because there's such a hard stance right now with him, you know, and he's he basically says that you know I'm not a steroid guy, I didn't do steroids, and there is no other proof besides that list. And when you get the commissioner of baseball coming out and almost supporting that 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 stance of what he's saying, what are you supposed to do at that point? We'll see what happens when the writers vote because they'll they'll oh, tell the story on if he was a in. if he was a steroid user or not. Really? Yes. So do you do you see him in the same in the same like gray area as Piazza? Yeah, I don't think Ortiz will be first ballot. I think he'll be very close first bas- first ballot. Um, what do you need? Eighty percent? Is it? Whatever. I thought it was in the seventies. Okay, yeah, seventies. But... He'll be like Piazza, where it was he didn't get it on first ballot, but everyone knew he was going to get it second ballot, and then he'll wind up with two more percent than he needs the, the next year, and he'll be second ballot. I, I'm I I really believe that. 
If only Don Mattingly found some steroids at the end of his career, he probably could have played for another five years and he'd be in the Hall of Fame right now. Yeah, we wouldn't have had Tino. Yeah, we would have had Donnie Baseball doing it. Uh, yeah, and, and I think the whole DH thing, while that may sway some some baseball writers, because uh, Edgar Martinez is not in the Hall of Fame and probably not going to get in the Hall of Fame. But I, I don't think it's going to matter when it comes to David Ortiz. I think because also people like him. I mean, that's the fact of the matter is baseball writers like David Ortiz. I agree with that. I think everybody, I think most people outside New York like him. Yeah. Because he's kind of that jovial, you know, big, fun-loving guy. And uh, and it's it's annoying and disgusting. Despite the fact that he's done numerous a, things. to Yeah, that he's a giant douche and selfish prick. And he does all these things that are all about him, but... He makes he makes headlines being this jovial, big you know, big personality dude. Well, as far as Yankees versus Red Sox, we no longer have to deal with David Ortiz, which is nice. But the playoffs coming up, David Ortiz's last hurrah. I'm just I'm terrified. <laughs> I'm freaking terrified that he's that they're gonna do something and he's gonna have a deep run. Uh, I really hope he just gets swept. We need our boy Andrew Miller to step up. There we go. A um, couple more things of baseball news before we get into season-ending awards for the Yankees. Uh, are you a Vin Scully fan? You know, I never was a I, – I, I can't say I'm a Vin Scully fan because I never really uh, – I didn't hear him very much, to tell you the truth, when I was a kid. And, you know, I, I, I obviously know the, the, the famous calls, the, the Kirk Gibson home run and certain others. But I, I don't know. I was never, I was never into him for, for whatever reason. And that's not saying that he's not good or any means. It just wasn't something that was on my radar. Yeah, I mean, 67 seasons announced. He started in 1950. It's insane. Jackie Robinson was in his second year when he started. Yeah, that's crazy. The stats on Vin Scully are insane. And I understand he's the greatest baseball announcer of all time if you can somehow quantify that. I love how you said the stats on Vin Scully are insane. Yeah, they are. No, it's good. That's a good way to put it. It was like over 10,000 baseball games called, like 27 or 28 World Series called. But what's his Pythagorean record? That's my question. (laughs) That's a great question. You know what? (laughs) I will have an answer for you next week. Uh, But... But but like uh, like you were saying, you never really heard him. Obviously, we're not Dodgers fans. But also, he stopped doing the national playoff games by the time we were really old enough to comprehend baseball. He was more about... He was doing all of the nationally televised playoff games in the 70s and 80s. And you were young, and I was barely alive at that point. So it's it's one of those things that I feel like our parents probably have more of appreciation for him. Yeah, and I'm surprised I don't have more of a of a base knowledge, I guess, of Vince Scully and more of an, uh, more of the, um, you know, listening to him and knowing who he was, knowing who he was when I was a kid, because, you know, I've, I've mentioned numerous times on this, on the show that I've, I used to go down to Vero beach when I was a kid, I had family there and we would spend, you know, almost the whole summer there. So I was always around, uh, the Vero beach Dodgers and I would go to games constantly. And, and I was always around the Dodgers were kind of like that second team. Um, I never really root for the Dodgers, but if they were, if the Yankees were out and the Dodgers were in it, I would pull for them, type of thing. And I was always just around them, or, you know, during my summer. So, but I never really, for whatever reason, I never, ever, ever got into Vin Scully. So, Vin Scully or John and Susan? Who are you taking? <laughs> yeah, I gotta take John and Susan. I gotta take John. There I, I gotta be, take John. There couldn't be more opposite broadcasters than Vin Scully and John Sterling. As far as what? As far as the, the style? Yeah, the style. 
Uh, the styles. I mean, they they both they both have that better their own little old school classic way of doing it. John Sterling is all about the heroics and the and the pizzazz, and Vin Scully lets the action on the field speak for him. Yeah. Uh, I I know it's an unpopular opinion, but I found I would whenever I would listen to Vin Scully, and if you gave me a five minute soundbite and it, and you said he tells an amazing story right here, I was entertained by it. But when I, if I had to listen to a whole game of Vince Scully, I kind of feel like I'd be a little bored. You like the guy that's that's more into the action. You like the, you like the uh, the John Sterling. Let's uh, let's make this home run call and make it amazing and yeah. do do a, either do a really good job or do a really terrible job because you like train wrecks. Yes, Vin yeah. or uh, John Sterling always keeps it interesting whether he's actually calling the the correct plays or not. It's always interesting. Not many train wrecks with Vince Scully. No, certainly not. Uh, he clearly has better eyesight than John Sterling, too. Sometimes I think John Sterling just puts his head down and starts rambling and doesn't actually watch. I think he watches the television. Well, then he has no excuse. <laughs> I think he, I don't think he watches the live game. He's just I watching think it's highlights. Too... He's yeah, watching I think, highlights. I think he's watching ago. it like literally a second behind. <laughs> um. Uh, f- uh, final bit of news is that our uh, the greatest home run hitter of all time, Barry Bonds, is reportedly fired from the Marlins hitting coach. And if you had told me at the beginning of the year that Barry Bonds was only going to last one season as Marlins hitting coach, I would have said, yeah, no shit. I would have been surprised that he lasted an entire season. I think you and I at the very beginning were like, what the hell is Barry Bonds doing? He does not want to travel 180 days a year with the Florida Marlins. Well, yeah, and the reason why he was the, the reason they gave was because his commit commitment level dwindled over yeah. the season. Yeah. Well, yeah, Duh. that sounds sounds about right. Sounds about a guy. Sounds about like a guy who has 762 home runs. That's what happens. That's that's why A Rod took a job to you know hang out with some minor leaguers for like two weeks Speaking throughout the year. That, you said I remember you said that you would be shocked if A-Rod ever appeared on a field with Yankee prospects. No, I did not say that. Yes, I you have, did. No, this is, that is complete nonsense. I have predicted this entire A-Rod retirement, quote-unquote, perfectly. This is exactly like I thought it was going to go down. No, no, no. I, you said once that it was announced that he was going to be a special instructor, you said you would be shocked if the Yankees actually let him near these young kids and have any sort of mentorship. No, no, no. That is no, no, no. That is not what I said. I, I said, swear you said that. No, you're wrong. I said that that's probably a position that he would do well in. That I, I disagree. That you're 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 misremembering. You're pulling like a, a, a Brian. Uh, what was Brian McNamee? You're misremembering what what actually went down. Mark McGuire. I'm not yeah. here to talk about the past. No, that's Rafael Palmero. Oh no, uh, that, no yeah, that was, was Mark. No. Rafael Palmero vehemently denied he it. He remember yeah, he, he stuck his it. finger in the camera, and then three yes. days later, after he got his three thousandth hit, he, they busted. But Brian McNamee was Roger Clemens's boy. Yep. yep, he was a strength he coach. He was the guy who hid the needles in the coke cans. Yeah, I mean, he was the he was the uh, smoking gun, is what he was. But um, no, no, you're you're definitely misremembering this. I because okay. I'm. You should. I mean, we have videotape. You can go back if you really want to. But I, I thought A Rod, and I still think A Rod would be good with the kids because he's got that. He's got everything about him. He's a, he's a, a great talent, and he's done so many bad things, so many things wrong that he's the guy. Like, hey, look at me. Don't do this. <laughs> well, do this. I, he's I, the perfect example. He's a perfect mentor. The last few years, he, he kind of, or 
2015 at least uh, 2013 and 14 were a cluster but 2015 i feel like he had a positive impact in the clubhouse yeah, he finally he finally grew up and got humbled finally yes um but i do love how he went down to extended uh instructional league or whatever whatever it is and he's just been like a basic bitch on spring break posting a bunch of instagram pictures yeah that's all he does he yeah. must have somebody follow him it's like he have, it's like he must have an assistant that's just like constantly taking pictures i think he's just going around to each field he's like okay you want to pose now i'm going to be fielding a ground ball i'm going to be taking swings in the batting cage he posted a picture of him swinging in the batting cage and i think it was gliber torres standing off to the side watching him you yeah. really think gliber torres needs to watch a rod hit you you don't think he would have a better impact if a rod was watching torres hit and giving him pointers well how no, do you know A-Rod that didn't happen right before that no, he just had to he had to get that picture of it. That's all it was. It was a picture op. He, Torres was taking batting practice before that. And then A-Rod's like, no, that's not what you do. This is what you do. Watch my hands. Do you think being A-Rod's social media bitch is a good or a bad job? It's probably a fun job. I'm not, it's probably, you know, you get some good travel in. You see the good sides of A-Rod. Maybe not, though, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. He might be very particular about – he may be very, like micromanaging the filters. Well, it's a, it's a very vanilla Instagram and Twitter feed from A-Rod these days. I, yeah. I don't know if you saw I posted a blog on Friday talk, going through all of his recent posts and trying to figure out what he's been up to. Yeah, he's a family man. And it's, uh, he's basically a family man who makes really bad dad jokes and a guy who hangs out with a bunch of rich people. So can we find that Starbucks that he goes to every day now? That's a routine, right? That's my no, question. No, no, that wasn't that wasn't Starbucks, was it? Oh yeah, if you look at the cup, you can see the branding on the cup. Okay. But yeah. He so didn't you, really put the Starbucks logo in there because I'm assuming no, he didn't want to. It's on the it's on the very corner. You can barely see it, All but right. it's definitely the Starbucks. Where do you think he's logo. getting a, a, mochi, a macchiato. My question is, he, where is it? We need, to, we need to. No, we need to have spotters at this at this uh, Starbucks to to see what's going on. It's in, my, and it's the, in Miami, right? Just bump into him so that we can get some some resumes out there for A Rod Corp. That site is still under development. Yeah, it's a different it's a different uh, image yeah, though. He added a couple more images. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, if you're gonna start a company, try not having the site under development for a full year. That's A Rod. Yeah, how long did it take him to uh, do some do do things well in his career? It took him a long time. Yes. He, the learning curve is a bit longer with uh, with Alex Rodriguez. But you know what I'm excited for? He's back on Fox postseason. Yeah. He was yep. good. He was good last year. He was, I mean, yeah. No, he was. Yeah, he was good for most people. I, I'm not a fan. Yeah, you're a Harold Reynolds fan. You're the only Harold Reynolds fan still out there. Oh, I love Harold Reynolds. He's awesome. Uh, I, tells I, it like it is. I tells need, it like it is. I need a Pete Rose A-Rod show. Is Pete Rose back too with the hair, with the hair black? He's still on Fox Sports. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see. It. I'll watch just to see what his hair looks like. <laughs> to see if I can see black streaks it's when like, he starts uh, when he starts sweating. It's like every <laughs> every uh, every five weeks, Al Michaels will get a new paint job on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, but he he gets he gets much better paint jobs than. Oh yeah, than I mean Pete Rose's paint jobs are like he. I think he goes to like to you know to to it's TJ. Cr- it's like Crayola paint. I mean, he's, going to, even, yeah, he's going, he's to, he's going to Mexico dye. to get his hair dyed. It's not yeah, even hair dye. It's just paint. It's strange. <clears throat> All right. You get. You ready to get into some team awards? Let's do these. All right. So this week we're going to be doing sort of a recap of the season. And then starting next week, we'll start to talk more about the offseason free agency and stuff. So we did get a voicemail 
um, from who I'm looking for the name. We got a voicemail from Greg asking about the offseason. We got a couple uh, other tweets and mailbags asking about asking about the offseason. We will get into all those next week. So thank you for those who have submitted. No, we got a voicemail. That's exciting. Let's celebrate yes, that. We got a voicemail. A while. And, and I also let me play it so, next week. We will play it next week. We're not forgetting about you. This will be played. But I also changed the uh, the message on there because originally what it was was it was um, it was my name and then if you're calling for Bronx Pinstripes. Well, I, I 86 that. I said, this is Bronx Pinstripes. Leave a damn message. Keep it to 30 seconds. And this is the voicemail. Like I'm spelling it out to what it is. So everybody can now just rest, rest easy that it's just a voicemail and it's 100% the Bronx Pinstripes voicemail. So leave your 30-second messages so you can get on the show. And let's let's blow this up in the offseason because you know we're going to need some help with the content. So uh, we need to hear from you guys. I want you to sing into the voicemail like George. Oh, a little uh, – yeah, I got that. <laughs> Believe I can do, it I can or do not, that. Scott isn't at home. I, whatever it takes. If, if more people are calling in because I do that, I'll do it. I'm, 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 we have our 100th episode coming up, so we got to do something special for that. Two weeks. All right. So let's get into it. Most valuable player on the Yankees this season. The award goes to the one and only El Gary Sanchez. Unleash El Kraken. It's beautiful. No, I mean, the guy, it was a different team when the guy showed up. He was unbelievable. Best start in baseball history. He's obviously going to continue it next year and going to hit 95 home runs. I'm excited for that. He's going to win the MVP. We're going to win the World Series. For the first time, and then it's going to continue on because he's going to take us to the promised land, and I'm I'm pumped up. Dude is an dude is like the MVP. Like the, if you could look up an MVP in the Encyclopedia Britannica, if that still exists, Gary Sanchez. I was thinking about maybe going with Didi because you and I both agreed Didi was probably their most consistent player from day one to to day to game one sixty two. But the fact of the matter is, the Yankees were a five hundred team heading for mediocrity and lameness for two months when Gary Sanchez showed up, picked the team up, put him on his back, and smashed 20 home runs in 50 games. That is an MVP. That earns you the MVP. 20 home runs, 42 RBIs, a three-war in 54 games. That's like a 10-season war. It's unbelievable. He threw out 41% of base runners, and the league average is 29%. Yeah, I know he struggled in the last week of the season, uh, only hit one home run and his average dipped below 300. Probably killed any chance he had at winning the rookie of the year. But the fact of the matter is, it looks like the Yankees have a superstar. Yeah, and and this is when we're gonna we're probably gonna spend a lot of time on Gary Sanchez and how the Yankees need to handle him. We we started talking about this last week, and this I guarantee will be a a, a, con, a continuing conversation through the offseason because it's first of all it's interesting and it's it, the situation is interesting with him because he is a catcher and you don't see guys playing the catcher position that can, you know, are all world hitters. You just don't see that. So there's there's definitely going to be some interesting things and and how they can handle that and and what they should do for that. But yes, he comes up, he changes the the dynamic of the team. I mean, that's the best way to put it. You're right with uh, you know, we we claim these are, you know, honorable mentions. DD definitely because DD had a hell of a season. He was he was good the entire year. I mean, he was he was kind of that that steady Eddie guy who you know, was hitting 280. He was up. He was up around 300 for a little bit. He hit. He hit more power than we expected. Dude was was good. Played a very good defense. Uh, defensive sh- uh, shortstop. So you know that's definitely an honorable mention. And I got to throw my other honorable mention in there for M- MVP for the team because I know what you're about to say next. But for the team, 
it's got to be Masahiro Tanaka as well has to be in the conversation because of the win-loss record when he pitched. And he was really the only guy that was uh, you know, very steady throughout the entire year in the rotation. Yeah, I mean, we'll recognize him in an upcoming award. Uh, not worried about that. But like you said about Gary Sanchez, it wasn't just the impact on, on the field. Think about the impact it had for the fans. I mean, it, it was it was complete 180, and there was all of a sudden excitement around the Yankees again. And I think you and I said this last week that he is now the face of the franchise, and that's that's MVP type stuff. So I think you and I are definitely on the same page as most people will be with Gary Sanchez. All right, least valuable player this year goes to the the retiring, the once actually two time X Factor, Mark Teixeira. <laughs> He was a two-time X Factor. He was the guy, and the, it was pretty true because when he bombed, the team also bombed and had zero offensive production. The guy was just awful all year long. I mean, you know, a couple of big home runs at the end of the year that really didn't mean much, but it was good for the heroics and good for the the ceremony and the farewell and all that. But yeah, he was a big disappointment. I mean, this was a guy that we were expecting to have a big year because of the fact that before he got hurt last year, he was on fire. I mean, this guy was in the MVP talks of Major League Baseball before he got hurt. And then you're expecting a guy to come back from an injury that was not really like one of those injuries that hampers you or you wouldn't think hampers you long term, the the broken shin or whatever the hell it was or bone bruise, something that you just heal and you come back from. It just didn't happen. I mean, his knees started going away, and everything was uh, everything was bad. It wasn't. He did not find that same form he did early 2015. Yeah, and I actually think that if you want, for anybody who ever may have accused Mark Teixeira of doing PEDs, I don't know if anyone did, but he is a a guy whose body break broke down when he was 36 years old, which is historically when players break down. Right. So he was actually kind of has evidence against PEDs. He had oh. a very solid, very, very solid 13 or 14 year MLB career, which is normal. That's what happens when you have a really good player. When you're 36 years old, you can't hit 300 and mash 40 home runs. <clears throat> David Ortiz. <laughs> right. No, it's it's true. I mean, this is the 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 very normal life cycle of a major league baseball player, especially a big lumbering third uh, first baseman. I mean, he's a big dude. That that's a lot of that's a lot of stress on the body. I mean, those knees. I'm surprised they lasted as long as they did. He's a big guy, uh, playing for as long as he did. He had a good career. He you know he obviously had a, a phenomenal um, run in 2009 too. So we'll we'll remember him for that. And and uh, you know he. He went out. I was actually very surprised. I think you were too. We were very surprised when he announced the fact that he was retiring. But he saw the writing on the wall, and he didn't want to go back and you know try to rehab and get his body ready an entire winter, only for the fact that you know he probably expected his his body to give out again at some point, and he didn't want to go through that whole mental and physical toll of getting ready or at least trying to get ready for something like that. So. The man can eat gluten now. He can just eat a hamburger and be happy about it. When nobody has to tweet about the fact that maybe he is or maybe he isn't pregame, and uh, and that's it. You know, right off into the sunset. That that walk off grand slam against the Red Sox, which prevented them from celebrating on the actual field. That was pretty good. Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, that was awesome. That's one of the best things he's done since two thousand nine. I mean. The Red Sox were going to celebrate right in our faces on the Yankee Stadium field. And instead, they had to have an awkward, delayed celebration in the clubhouse where they were like, should we really celebrate? This is kind of awkward. We just got a walk-off grand slam right in our faces. 
but we did win the division, so I guess we have to celebrate. John Farrell came in and was like, guys, you can celebrate. And it was so awkward. And, I mean, that was great. It was great that he did that. I, that was a <laughs> – so I had a softball game that night, and I, I, I caught the last three innings of the game. We go to, uh, like, a Buffalo Wild Wings at the end of the – after our games. So I didn't really have the sound of the game. I just had the game on. And uh, and I saw that they um, – the, it was – they had a – for whatever reason, they had a Nesson broadcast up, and the the broadcast had put, or whatever the broadcast had put up, said that the Red Sox had won the division, and I'm like, and I started tweeting from Bronx Pinstripes. I'm like, I'm like, oh shit, they're, they said they won the division, and I'm getting all mad. I'm getting so I had no idea that the Orioles won or lost or whatever it was that the or- lost Orioles uh, won, which eliminated the Blue Jays. Blue Jays, that's what it was. I had no idea that was going on because I couldn't hear the the commentary. I couldn't hear the. Uh, the announcers and I was getting mad. I'm getting. I'm like, they're gonna. Win, they gotta win this game now. They gotta win this game now. And Nesson's already celebrating beforehand. Like, well, the Yankees have no chance. So I was going ape shit in this in this uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> and then and then to come to realize, I'm like, I'm like, oh, everybody. I just get pounded by tweets back. Isn't like, that oh, the, the, isn't that the worst photos. when you it tweet is. something and it's like you're half paying attention, so you you tweet it was a hot so take. immediate too. I must. Yeah. There must have been like 15 <laughs> to 20 tweets like within 30 seconds. You didn't of, delete it though, did you? I did delete no, it. No, you can't delete tweets. I um, deleted it. I deleted it before I realized, or, or, or as I realized, like one, and then like thirty more came in. So I'm fully on board with I do not delete tweets because that's it's you take the good and the bad with Twitter. Once you put something out there, it's out there. Occasionally, if I really misspell something, I'll, I'll immediately delete it and then post it with the correct spelling because I don't want people to think I'm a dumbass. Yeah. But if I tweet something stupid. I just leave it out there to hang. I guess it's a little different though with the BP account, and there's like sixty-five thousand people. Trying. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I totally disagree with you. <laughs> so this is true. so what I do is I delete, and then I, I what I did is I put up a response, be like, oh, whoops, my bad, and then so so all the people that actually saw it saw my tweet. Yeah. So I was covered on both sides. So I acknowledge the fact that I was an idiot, but then you know people who are looking at it and in, in you know twenty minutes later don't see it. It's per, it's that's the way you go. Well. I'm all for deleting tweets, though, by the way. Despite the fact that he was the least valuable player for the entire season, uh, that was a, a one of the better moments of the season, I think. Um, oh, and you got an honorable mention here. Circumstances being what they were, yes. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got an honorable mention for our, our boy A-Rod. Yeah, because he was freaking horrible. He was the, a joke of a baseball player. But and now he's contributing. He's contributing to the minor leagues too, so that's pretty valuable. Yeah, so he needs to to he needs to make Glaber Torres a, a superstar, and he he needs to turn Jorge Mateo's mindset and make sure he's all right and good. And we we'll, we'll talk about it, the, some of these minor league guys too, because Mateo had a down year big time in, in a lot of ways. Yep. Yeah. We got a lot of we got a lot of offseason to talk about these minor league kids too. That'll be great to talk in the offseason. Maybe we can get some more of the uh, minor league websites and some of the beat writers from the from the minor leagues on. Yeah, no so doubt. we are not talking out of our ass. Um, Cy Young goes to my favorite quote unquote hashtag ace pitcher, Masahiro Tanaka. The stats very good. Thirty one starts, which neither of us expected. One hundred and ninety nine innings. Oh, that's one hundred ninety nine. What? It was 200 innings, right? 199.2. Oh, such a dick thing. <laughs> you think I'd make you that were up? So ha- you were so happy when that one, in- when that one little, third of an inning. I got a little twinkle in my eye. <laughs> 307 ERA. He finished 7th in starting pitcher war at 5.4 and 12th in 
FIP. You know what FIP is, Scott? Oh, I have no idea what FIP is. Fielder Independent Pitching ERA. Oh, my God. 3.51. Yeah. Both in the league. It's a good number. Worthless. Worthless. Not worthless. It's a worthless, stupid stat that God, nobody you're cares such about. Old school. You're such God, old it doesn't make any sense. FIP? I have never even heard of that. Really? No. Have you heard of BABIP? Uh, just stop. <laughs> I can't handle it. I cannot handle I can't handle the sabermetrics. I we get lost it to a point. Scott. We lost Scott many, at exit velo. There's yeah, exit velo was annoying to me in the first place. I understand the exit velocity thing. it makes a little bit of sense. Yeah. But but unless you're talking about Aaron Hicks and his exit velocity, then then you it makes no sense because Chase you're talking Hedley's about a guy exit negative exit velocity. But you're talking about a guy who can hit the ball really hard, but it doesn't do anything. It's stupid. It's a st- all these it's a really hard ground ball to short yeah, ninety-five percent of these numbers are dumb. Even I'm I'm putting numbers that sh- that say he's a good pitcher, though. I it doesn't matter. I you I don't even know what that means. It means if you take out fielders, so it basically only measures because that's how you play baseball. No, but it measures how how nasty. It's basically how nasty a pitcher is. Sweet. So the why, why not just go to like the swing and miss ratio? Because if you look, because some of it can be misleading. If you look at uh, Michael Pineda's swing and miss ratio, it's very good. But that guy sucks. But his FIP is no good. <laughs> I, I can't even. I can't even take this seriously. Uh, all right. Anything else you want to talk about Masahiro Tanaka? He was phenomenal. The guy is a true ace. Unbelievable. No. Doesn't need. Doesn't need surgery. Don't worry about the arm. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. I'm not, you're not, I'm not worried at all about the arm. Nobody you, should. You I mean, have zero just, concern with the arm. You're he lying. pitched 200 innings. You're lying. If you have zero no, concern he pitched, about I arm. don't. I haven't thought about it since the last time you brought it up. Well, I he hasn't pitched about it. since the injury. I don't think. What are you talking about? He he pitched 200 innings. No, 200 I'm innings. Saying, since he, they shut him down this year, I'm they were going to throw the him. They were going to throw him on Saturday. He was scheduled to pitch. Scheduled. Oh, did so not. What? Yes, because they were out of it and they did the right thing. They no, I agree they did the right thing. But for you to say you have zero concerns with Masahiro I don't. Tanaka's I have zero health, concern. Zero that's, concern. That's asinine. No, it's not asinine because I can't think about it anymore. There's not I've one shred. The there's not 0.1% of you that's concerned. Oh, I don't even remember what it was. I forget. Crazy. I forget. It was a flexor mass. I misremembered what the injury was because it doesn't matter because he just pitched 200 innings. Flexor mass. Doesn't matter. Flexor mass. Yeah. MVP. <laughs> was in the Cy Young contention conversation. Doesn't matter. Cy Very- not so young on the Yankees this year goes to your former favorite player, Nathan, quote, Carl Pavano Avaldi. Yeah, what a disappointment. What a I mean, that's 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 exactly how you get out of my uh out of my favorite list. You you just you, you become you know what I was just I was disappointed really in in the makeup of Evaldi that that's what disappointed me the most because you know I know we'll get to the stuff the stuff stuff we'll we'll talk about people with uh, the the guys on the team with with the stuff and everybody talks about when you when you say Nathan Evaldi the the next sentence out of your mouth or the next few words is about his stuff I and mean, that's what everybody says and it drives people mad and it's starting to actually drive me crazy too now. But the fact of the matter is, the guy was good for uh, for a month in May. Really and then, good, really, really yeah, good. He was, he was very good, and he shut you up for an entire month, and I was so happy about that. It was like two things: I got Avaldi doing well, and you can't talk any any shit about him because he was phenomenal. And then and, what does he do? And what he, he gives up a just a completely terrible June into July, and the dude, it's like he 
forgets how to pitch. He got pulled from me, the rotation. He was so bad. To me, and, and that's even worse than Pineda because Pineda didn't even, when we were calling for him, didn't get pulled. But the fact of the matter is, is that is your mental makeup. The fact that I kept hearing that he lost the the feel for the changeup or the splitter or whatever. You you can't do that as a professional athlete. You can't do that as a professional pitcher. This is your job. That's one of your three pitches. Don't lose the feel for it. I understand if it's not great on a day and you have a couple other pitches to throw to. I get that. But the dude lost it for a month. That's mental. That is a mental problem, and he's got mental issues. And I'm, well, that, that pisses me off. Probably never going to see him pitch for the Yankees again. No, and if we do, it's going to be on some incentive-laden contract, and it's probably going to be in the bullpen. Okay, most improved player this year, and the only reason we're giving it to this guy, uh, and I mean it's Didi Gregorius, and we already talked about how Gary Sanchez is the MVP, but Didi is the close runner-up for MVP of the Yankees because he was the most consistent at the plate and in the field. He hit lefties this year, which is something I never thought he'd be able to do. 20 home runs, 70 RBIs out of your shortstop. The fact that he and Castro each finished with 20-plus home runs made the Yankees one of only four teams to have a double-play combo with 20-plus home runs. The other one was the Mets with Cabrera and Walker, the Nationals with Espinosa and Murphy, and Houston with Correa and Altuve, who are probably the best double-play combination in the league. But um, the fact that the Yankees were one of only four teams, that the Yankees with Robinson Cano and Derek Jeter and Afonso Soriano and Derek Jeter never did that. So it's pretty impressive. Yeah, and you know, it's the. I think the fact that we're calling him most improved is um, is more of a, it's 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 almost like a confirmation of what we saw at the end of last year, also right. because because the dude was was hitting you know phenomenal at the end of last year, and he carried that through and had an entire season of that, and that's that's why I you know I think most improved is is fitting because he made it an entire season, and you know he was the he was the steady guy throughout the entire year. If he d- had a down year, I mean this I don't even know where this team would have been because he was coming up and he had a lot of clutch hits too. It seems like every time there was. He was up in a big situation. He was getting a big hit. So he hit third. He hit fourth. He hit fifth. He hit sixth. He hit all along the lineup. Yeah, uh, I I think you and I agree. We'd like to see him at the top of the lineup next year. Yeah, I think a two spots two or something good, like that. Good fit for him. Um, but uh, I mean, we can't. You and I are huge DD fans on and off yeah, the field. Absolutely, absolutely. And he's, I love that he posts all the stuff about social media after the game. He'll he's the first one to post on Twitter and Instagram after the Yankees win. And yep. Might sound stupid, but it's. I think that's a positive thing. Yeah, he's in tune. He's in. He's in tune to everything, and that's that's important nowadays. Okay, so most disappointing player. I definitely think it goes to Luis Severino because yeah. this guy was the number four pitcher coming out of the year, and he had such a good season when he was called up last year. You and I were so excited about him. They finally have a young starting pitcher who can throw in the mid nineties. He looked great. And then he goes out and, as a starting pitcher, allows a 977 OPS against. Do you know how bad that is to allow a 977 OPS? That's Mickey Mantle's career OPS. He's basically <laughs> allowing players to hit Mickey Mantle-level Hall of Fame against him as a starting pitcher. Uh, you know, we had conversations about Luis Severino being the opening day starter. That Those conversations happened because of the fact that we thought he was going to come in and slide in as the number two. I mean, he was the number four because Girardi and, you know, Girardi hashtag his veterans. But 
Severino was the guy that we were expecting to be the, the true number two coming into the year. I mean, he was the guy that we were expecting the most from. Uh, we were probably expecting the, the biggest jump to really, you know, take the second half of last year. Similar to what Didi did, Severino did not do. Uh, take this into a, to a full year, and the Yankees needed it. And there, there were so many failures in the beginning of this year. Uh, you know, it's unbelievable. Now that I'm looking back, there were just so many absolute failures. But Severino was a giant one, and uh, he never really got it back. Towards the end of the year, obviously, we saw what he did in the bullpen, uh, and then he finally had a you know a start to to end the season. But this is a guy. It wasn't good. This, it wasn't a good start to end the season. It was. It wasn't. It, but this is a guy that we need. And, you know, going into next year to be a contributor and a top level contributor for this team to, to take another level, because we know what the, the free agent class looks like for starting pitching. It's it's zero. There's nobody there. Bartolo Colon is the headliner of the free agent class. Rich Hill. Rich Hill. OK, they're both. It's 37 years plus is what we're talking about here. Bartolo may be 50. And the fact of the matter is that there, so unless we're, we're trading for a guy, we're giving up one of our. Our, uh, our young prospects, Severino's got to step in and and play a role and play a, a significant role in the starting rotation. So, dude needs to figure it out. I'm a little concerned the Yankees don't even know what they're going to have to do with him. Well, he's shown, he's proved that. That's I, I don't blame the Yankees in that sense. This is not a Phil Hughes situation where they put him in need because uh, because Phil Hughes was a, was a necessity in the bullpen for one year. This is a guy that couldn't start any longer, and they were trying to get something out of him, so they put him in the bullpen. It was a very different scenario. They're, I don't blame them for being confused because it's Severino's issue. No, I know, but I'm uh, I'm basically saying it's, his numbers out of the bullpen are so good. I mean, he allowed eight hits and 76 at-bats. I mean, it's a 105 batting average against. He's essentially as good as Dellen Batances and Andrew Miller and Araldis Chapman out of the bullpen. That's how good those numbers are. Yet, he should be a starting pitcher, and he can't pitch out of the rotation. It's bizarre, and I'm getting concerned. Like, as, as If you're the Yankees, how much longer do you keep pushing this? I still think next year, spring training, you got to try him as a starter. Oh, no doubt. They're going to, I think that's the plan. I think the plan still in the Yankee organization is that Luis Severino is going to be a starting pitcher, but he's got to figure it out and it's got to be relatively early. He, he can't go through struggles anymore because if he does, he's going to be relegated to the bullpen and it's going to put the Yankees in another tough position because then they got to fill a rotation spot. And, you know, at the same time, the Yankees can't go into next year depending on him like they. I, you know, like I feel like they did this year. They were they were they were counting on him to be, you know, at the top of that rotation, you know, towards the top of that rotation, and they can't do that next year. So that may change what Cashman has to do with free agency and and with trades because of this. I mean, they've really they've he has put the Yankees in a very difficult position. Okay, so the next award is the AJ Burnett Man. He's got great stuff. Award. Who are you giving it to? I mean. This is the guy that that has to be Michael Pineda. Uh, you, you could argue that there's a timeshare between Pineda and Evaldi because it's well, the same. It's the same dialogue between you know when you're talking about both guys. Like, damn, these guys are they have good stuff. But Pineda, like you said earlier, with that large swing to miss ratio, the 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 fact the swing to miss percentage, whatever the stat is. Well, he led the AL in strikeouts per nine innings at ten point six. That's crazy. It's that's, crazy that you a pitcher could lead in such a tough stat to lead in and have. Such terrible stats across the board for the rest of them. Yeah, no, it's it's mind-boggling, and it's because he gives up the big, uh, the the big inning, and his mind goes to Jekyll and Hyde, and he just starts thinking about, 
you know, what girls look like on the beach in a certain bikini. I mean, like the dude, I, I would not be surprised if he was in Do between insider things. info or something. I, yeah. Uh, who was the guy who was in uh, like going to take a dump and was like liking girls Panda. on Instagram? Pablo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, that's a Panetta move. That's a total Panetta move. I could absolutely see that happening. Yeah, but it's a starting pitcher. That's okay. As long as yeah. you're not doing it on the day you're pitching. Oh, no, that's what I'm talking about. No, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Gotcha. Like, oh, he's like, oh, the top of the order's up. I think I might have a couple more, couple more, uh, you know, a little bit more time to go hit up some Instagram. It must be I can hard. See that. It must be hard to wipe your ass when you have pine tar all over your hands. It's on his neck. It's not on his hands. <laughs> he's, already, he's already thought of that. The next award is the Roger Clemens Just Calm Down Dude Award. And I got to give this to the Toronto Blue Jays for being complete hardos. That was the most ridiculous, the most ridiculous brawl, the most ridiculous, you know, reasons to start a brawl. And it had to have been Josh Donaldson in the dugout after that happened saying, oh, I'm pretty sure that dude hit me because it was clearly, it was clearly, uh, you know, not intentional. Severino, I think, walked the next three dudes or two guys he's after him. All, oh, so he, he's been wild all year. And 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 Donaldson wears that big-ass guard on the elbow, leaning over the plate. It really wasn't even that far inside. It was ludicrous. The whole thing was ridiculous. Uh, yeah, totally agree. And the Blue Jays are, are just an annoying team. All right, they next are. one is the Shane Spencer That Doesn't Make Any Sense Award. And I'm giving it to Carlos Beltran for somehow leading the team with 22 home runs this year, even though he didn't play on them since the trade deadline. All Gary Sanchez needed was another week. I know. Another, oh, yeah. another week, and then he would another have had Another series, it. maybe. Another series, yeah. I mean, the fact that, that Sanchez was at 20 <laughs> and played the limited games, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really just a sad stat in all honesty, is that the fact that the guy that got traded at the deadline still led the, the team in home runs with 22. And it, it goes back to your X factor, because he should have been the guy. This next one, it's, it's kind of a tongue twister. It's the Brett Prince, a.k.a. Alan Embry, a.k.a. Daryl Rasner, a.k.a. Jose Veras, a.k.a. Brett Tomko, a.k.a. Preston Claiborne, a.k.a. Chase Whitley, a.k.a. David Carpenter Award. And it's going to Anthony Swarzak, who will be at the end of that award for next season's winner. That guy somehow pitched 30 innings and did not do one positive thing, yet Joe Girardi kept using him. Every year, it seems like the Yankees have a trash bullpen arm that they keep throwing out there despite the fact that he sucks and Swarzak was the guy this year the, the funny thing is though is that there's there just haven't been very many other options like there's a guy that sucks but I probably add three more guys to that list in all honesty for this year so the the, the you know the fact that Girardi's throwing a guy out there that is trash uh, and doesn't do anything positive you know there's there's a few of those guys so there's it's just it's unfortunate is what it is the next award is the get off my team award and this I, this is all you go for it you know i'm going with chase headley dude had zero extra base hits through the month of uh through halfway through may i describe him as vanilla ice cream on white bread with mashed potatoes on the side because he does nothing for me <laughs> i don't even know what so to say you to agree that. i mean i love mashed potatoes and i love vanilla ice cream white bread i don't eat so but i like two of the three vanilla bland nothing Please get him off my team. No, it's true. I do add chocolate syrup and sprinkles to it, though. Right. Yeah. Moving on. The holy shit that actually just happened moment of the year. You and I were there in center field. Tyler Austin and Aaron Judge go back to back on August 13th. It, it will forever be known as Judgment Day. 
Uh, that was one of those moments that I just was, even though I witnessed it with my own eyes, I could not believe it happened. We both had videos of this and completely screwed them up at some point. We were uh, we were hanging out with uh, with uh, Barstool JJ in center field on the Mohegan Sun deck, and Austin goes swap and hits the the opposite field. And it, after I saw that, I'm like, oh, op-, I didn't realize the opposite field power by then, obviously, because it was the first at bat. And then you know we see what he does, and then Judge just hits a freaking laser at us, and it was I felt like it was six feet from my hand, but in reality, it was a lot lower than that. But it was, a, it was a hell of a moment. It really was. Interesting stat about Austin. He's been pretty clutch with his home runs. All five of his home runs have either tied or put the Yankees ahead this year. And four of the five have come in the seventh inning or later. So do you I, remember how uh, Greg Bird had, I think it was seven of his 11 similar to that? Yeah. Seems like Austin has the clutch gene. You know what I, what I don't get? And I know we're getting long in the tooth on this. But the fact is, I don't understand why Austin didn't play for like the last three weeks of the season. He didn't play very much. He got sat for Teixeira quite a bit. And I don't... And I'm, farewell I'm, tour. That's what I'm thinking. It was Girardi with his farewell tour. Gotta win ball games, quotes. But, but uh, Teixeira's going out there and Austin was sitting. It seemed like every day. And I didn't understand that. And every time he came in, he contributed. Unless he was banged up, which it doesn't seem like he was, I totally agree. Yeah, it was okay. a very strange thing. Last award is the That Hair Makes All the Difference Award, and it goes to Ben Gamble, who unfortunately is no longer a Yankee, but a little stat for you here. The Yankees were 5-1 and one in the six games that Gamble played for them. Got to give an honorable mention on that for the minor league hair of the year. Our, our new boy, Red Thunder, Clint Frazier. Definitely. He will be the flow bro next year. And Ben Gamble completely screwed up my t-shirt that was going to be flow bros <laughs> you, that you, I... You waited on it too long. I wait. I wait too long on all of them. Unfortunately, you still don't have the Gary Sanchez one. Out. <laughs> yeah, it's actually ready now, but yeah, just in time for the season to end. Yeah, I know. Really awesome timing. All right, let's quickly talk about some of the playoffs coming up, and then we will get out of here. Wild card games: Toronto at Baltimore, or excuse me, Toronto versus Baltimore on Tuesday, and the Mets are hosting the Giants on Wednesday. Um, who are you pulling for in these games? Uh, I mean, I don't really give a shit who wins the Toronto-Baltimore. I kind of want – I don't know. I, I don't want Baltimore, so I guess I have to pull for Toronto, but I, I, I don't even think that's possible. Well, here's a good reason to root for Toronto because they would play Texas, and that would be a match, a rematch of last year's playoff game, and you know there's going to be a brawl in that series. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I'm more concerned on who gets to play – uh, I guess Boston is already set, right? They're playing Cleveland. Cleveland that's it. Right. So you yeah. just got to hope that Francona can can handle the Red Sox. Um, I actually think Texas, if they make it, would be a tough matchup for the Red Sox. But uh, especially because the Red Sox don't have home field advantage, which is a good thing. Do they have it with Cleveland? Nope. Okay, good. They're the three seed. Nice. So, so that's the only that, way that's good for will, Francona. That's a leg off for Francona, and he knows that. The only way they will play at home is if they play a wild card team. Okay, so I think you want some you want some uh, some answers here. I think Baltimore is going to win the Toronto game against Toronto, and I think the Giants. I I can't see the the Mets beating Bumgarner. Yeah, the Mets are decimated. It's pretty and honestly. You got to give a lot of credit to the Mets to even being in this position with the amount of injuries they've had this year because they have been just torched. I mean, their entire pitching staff is gone. You know, a lot of their offense gone. It's they're they're completely decimated by injury. It's it's uh it's pretty impressive. And I don't think Terry Collins gets enough credit for the job that he does. Mets, Mets fans, Mets fans would disagree, but okay. I know. I mean, as an outsider looking in, I think he's the, he's uh, definitely a baseball guy. He's definitely not a, a guy for the soundbite. That's for sure. 
You got to figure the Cubs are kind of just been twiddling their thumbs for the last month, waiting for the yeah. playoffs to start. I, I would, I would think. So, like you just said, the Mets are so banged up, but they killed them in the playoffs last year. And then, would you rather face the Mets or the Giants if you're the Cubs? I feel like it doesn't really matter since you feel so confident. But there's a lot of pressure on the Cubs to get this thing done. Yeah, I agree. But the fact of the matter is that the Giants still have three guys that could come out there and throw a gem on any given day. The Mets don't have that anymore, right? They have what? They have uh, Syndergaard. They have Syndergaard. Is Matt still pitching or is nope, he hurt? He's is shut he done? down. So it's just Syndergaard of those. Bartolo. Of the, and Bartolo, right. So it's, you know, I guess I'm looking for the Mets at that point. I mean, they're banged up. Yeah, they they're got, really they, their up. pitching is Their pitching is just, their starting pitching is nothing like it was last year. It's a totally different team walking in there. Yeah, and then the Washington. Totally feeling, too. The Washington LA series is kind of blah. I don't really. No, no, see, nothing I, think, in that. I, I like that one. I think it's interesting. I mean, both teams are good, but as far as storylines go, what, what do you got? I don't know. I guess Corey Seager, you know, leading that team coming in as the shortstop. You have the the other kid, the Trey Turner kid, uh, almost you know taking some of the limelight from Bryce Harper. So they have multiple studs on that team. Strasburg back in the playoffs. There's some good things going on. Um, should be good. I think these games this week, uh, the wild card games, should be pretty exciting. Um, one game playoffs are always awesome. All right, we will get out of here. Uh, before we do, though, follow us on Twitter. The show is at Yankees Podcast. Follow Scott at Scott Reinen. And I don't know if you noticed, but I changed my Twitter handle. Oh, I didn't see that. I know you were talking about it. Yeah, so I'm now Andrew. You're going to love this. Underscore Rotondi. Still got the underscore, well, though. The Andrew Rotondi was taken. Every combination was taken. I had to do the underscore, unfortunately. Who's the, who's the real Andrew Rotondi? I don't know. Right? He's got like 50 tweets. Mm. Anyway. Submit mailbag questions, bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast, or you can tweet us or call the voicemail line, 646-480-0342. As we mentioned, we did get this mailbag, this voicemail from Greg. We're going to play it next week. More people call up the voicemail, send in mailbags. We're going to be talking off-season going forward. Hope you guys enjoyed the recap of the season. We'll talk to you guys next week. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.